Welcome to All Kinds. I'm Chaya. And today, we're going to talk about how the oldest millennials are turning 40 this year. And as society and culture continually shift, we are starting to see more of the effects of the last 40 years. Some good, some not so much. Drag Race and all the spin-offs. Why can't we get enough? And let's also talk about the cuties controversy. Are you going to cancel Netflix? Now, as you guys have noticed, Yehudis is not here today, and that's because she's taking a hiatus from the show to pursue some personal projects. So like I said at the top of the show, a lot of people are turning 40 this year. Now, some people are saying it's the oldest millennials. It really depends on your definition of millennial. I'm talking about people born in 1980, and I'm going to be one of those actually in October turning 40. It's a big deal. People you wouldn't even think of. I'm sure if you just even Google it, you'll see like Kim Kardashian, Christina Aguilera, I remember even when I was in my 30s, you know, I was hearing that Cameron Diaz and Lucy Liu and those types of celebrities were already in their 40s. And look how amazing they looked. And I remember when I was younger, people would say, oh, you're invisible when you're a woman at 40. Well, that's not quite the case anymore these days. That's for sure. A lot of things have changed and perceptions have changed, especially when I talk about women, you know, because before that, like I said, People weren't really looking at women in their 40s as examples or cutting edge, generally speaking. I used to see in magazines like dressing for your age, what to wear in your 20s, 30s, 40s. And I think the coolest part about living in today's time is that pretty much everything is in fashion. When I was growing up, you was either in or out. You had to pick a style. It was coming of age in the 90s. And you could be outside of that mainstream norm. But then you were usually in these other little segments like I'm a punk or I'm a raver, or, I'm a skater. And then what would make you feel really unique and special is if you like broke the norms and wore whatever you wanted. You really stood out. But now everybody does that. So it doesn't really stand out, but it's a lot better because, first of all, you can keep clothing in your wardrobe a lot longer because now that there's no set style, you can mix and match a lot more easily. I think the best thing has been the rise of athleisure. I mean, I know it's been accelerated because of the pandemic, but you have to remember, guys, before this, yeah, everyone loved a good sweatpant, but it was hard to find a nice sweatpant. I mean, now they have all these amazing, nice styles. It's not just about, you know, having something loose and comfortable. It could actually have some sort of fit. When I first was trying to introduce my husband to sweatpants, he's from Europe, and he was like, oh, no, only bums wear sweatpants. And I said, no. I said, you can go in the airport and wear some sweatpants. He wouldn't even travel in them. He was always traveling in jeans, a belt. And he's taken some long flights, like 12 hours at a time. And then I told him, I said, no, now with athleisure, you can get a really nice pair of streamlined, dressy sweatpants, if that's the word for it. And I think that's just been the biggest benefit. Clothing is getting more and more comfortable and also looks good. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. You would have to choose between comfort and style. So that's really nice to see. But you still have your trendsetters. I mean, I'm sure you guys all heard the news today. Well, it was actually during this week that the Kardashians are ending their, I think it's 11-year run. I'm not sure. I got to be honest, I didn't really watch their show. We've all felt their influence, and we can definitely talk about that. I was talking to my friend on the phone, and we're definitely going to have to unpack that probably at a later episode. But there's no denying the impact it's been culturally, whether good, bad. I mean, you see it everywhere. I tried watching a couple times. I remember I had a roommate, and she had it on. And I walked in, and I thought everybody was tranquilized or something. The talking was so slow. And then I asked her, I said, why are they wearing this drag queen makeup in the daytime? That's what it looked like to me. You know, I had been out and about as a teenager and growing up and 
It looked like what we would call nighttime makeup, caked on, all the contouring, the blacked out brows, and now eyelashes. Obviously, their influence has been felt because you see this more and more. People are wearing these huge eyelashes, all the layers of makeup, and you're seeing girls look like the drag queens, which were guys trying to look like girls. It's kind of very funny and also a lot of work. I had a friend who did all this makeup and it took her two hours every morning. I just don't have the patience for that. And once you start doing that, you also have to think about the whole regimen of removing all this makeup and what it does to your skin. So there have been some impacts, but you really can be whatever you want to be. So when I say like 40 is the new 40, it's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. People are always trying to look younger and younger, but now you can embrace your actual age. You see a lot of plastic surgery we just take for granted nowadays, but you also see a lot of people stopping that. What I really like is uh, I'll give you an example, like Celine Dion. She's refusing to do anything. And people are like, you should, you know, you you have some wrinkles. And she's like, whatever, like, this is me. And I love seeing that because some, some people feel like you've earned it. It's easy to say when you're like Meryl Streep, she has said the same thing sort of along the same lines. I don't know exactly what she quoted saying, but saying how she loves these wrinkles, like she's earned them essentially. And I'm like, yeah, then that's great. And you're getting all this work and you're still such a celebrated, venerated actress. But I think in some industries, it's still something that you have to look a certain way. So it depends where you're at in terms of pressures. But I see more and more acceptance. I don't think we're there yet, but I think so. I remember when I got single in my 30s and my dad, who I was still talking to at the time, said to me, oh, what are you going to do? Because he lived out in California. And I said, oh, yeah. I said, well, don't worry about this. I live in Montreal. Uh, you know, being in your 30s and single is a hot commodity. It's not like um." considered an old hag here, relax. Because he, he felt like, oh my God, in my 30s, like it's like 1800s, I'll never find a partner. And, and that's what all I should be living for, essentially. You know, you can be single and happy too. But I think that's what's important. But it's cool to see all these celebrities uh, setting an example in the positive way. We have so many who are still so artificial, but I see more avenues now. And I think that's credited a lot to social media. Again, when you're straddling the generations, like, Am I X? Am I millennial? Who really cares? I didn't grow up with a cell phone. When they first came out, not everybody had them. Uh, they were very expensive. And then there still are. I'm going to give you that. But now they do a whole lot more than just make a phone call or T9 on the text messages. But we didn't have that. We did the whole sharing of the phone. No, things didn't cost a nickel. And I didn't have to walk 20 kilometers to school, like the old folks like to say. But they were different times. Times are always changing. And it was very, very, very restricted in terms of what you could expect when you were going to be somebody in your 40s. And now you wouldn't see that. You wouldn't see these people being trendsetters, newsmakers. It was very unusual. Whether they had kids or not wasn't the issue. And even on that note, like a lot of people are having kids so much later. There's a lot of people I know have had kids at 40 even and even older, and they're doing fine. I mean, if you're tired at 30, you're going to be tired at 40. It's the same thing. But so I think those rules are being rewritten a little bit, but there's still a long way to go. But it's cool to see that because when I grew up, you always thought of someone who's 40, like, OK, that's it. She's a cougar. She's going to wear some leopard print and it's going to be a one shouldered affair and too much makeup and hair and surgery. But that's not necessarily the case. In fact, we've come to really appreciate the women who are older than 40. I remember every time I watch a Housewives I don't like watching the younger housewives. Housewives have been on for so long now, 
And like, I'll give you a great example. Even on Potomac, they've got Candace. Every time I see the mother, I'm like, the mother is made for the show. She's the successful psychiatrist. She's going to bring the drama. Why are we watching Candace with these ladies? It, does, it seems like such a mismatch with Giselle and the Grand Dame. And then you have Candace. Like, what is she bringing to the table? I mean, I know she's messy and all of that, but her mother seems to me a lot more interesting and a lot more accomplished and that's kind of the examples we'd like to see. And they really know how to bring it. We've seen this time and again, not just from the housewives, but from all the people in major roles as well. Like, I have a sister who's an actress. And I said, wow, you know, it seems like in Hollywood, yes, they still prize all the young people. But at the same time, all these top shows, all these are people in their 40s and maybe even older, like Bones and CSI. And like, you even see like Lucy Lou on Sherlock. I'm like, she's not 22. So there is more and more opportunities. But I think fashion has been the biggest thing because at first, even myself turning 40, even in my 30s, I was like, are these cutoffs too short? And do I give a shit? Does it matter? No, we don't care anymore, you know? And it still looks good. It doesn't look dated. There is a way to dress for your age, I guess, but I don't really even think so anymore. I think it's what works best for your body type and your mood. I'm a very mood fashion type of person. I do find, though, you do feel a lot more confident as you get older. I think I should hope so for everybody. But it's funny how you start participating more in things. I find I read more sections in the newspaper. Like it used to be I would, when I was younger, I just read entertainment. And then for work, I was like, I'll check out the local business, see what's going on. And now I'm practically reading it cover to cover digitally, but still. And also recently I got, um, you know, you get flyers in the mail from like your congressperson, your MP. And normally I've always just recycled it. And I was like, you know what? She's asking for feedback. She's going to get it. I'm like, I am that person now giving in a suggestion. I'm like, yeah, participation, as they say. It's time to take a break from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by the P-Funnel, a.k.a. the Travel Funnel. It's happened to us all, stuck in traffic, desperate to pee, no off-ramp anytime soon. If you do manage to pull over, squatting can get complicated and messy. Enter the P-Funnel. It says it's a complete device where you, any woman of all age can stand up to urinate, sitting down, or in a lying position without undressing. It's discreet, portable, and reusable. It's designed not to flow black, splash, or spill. And it's completely hygienic and easy to use. Just keep it in the car for those situations when you've absolutely got to go and nowhere to go to. And I'm back. So there's another spinoff coming from RuPaul's Drag Race, this time with Holland. And there's been just an explosion of all these spinoffs and people can't seem to get enough, which is great because it's so entertaining. I mean, I've been watching from the beginning and the number one thing I liked about Drag Race is I found that when it came out, it came out at a time of all these reality shows like Top Model, Top Comedian, you know, Best Makeup. And it puts it all in one. I feel like I'm watching Project Runway, Last Comic Standing. And all those shows put together in one. These guys have to be so talented. They have to be able to sort of sing or at least lip sync very effectively with emotion. They have to create these looks, not just transform themselves into women, but into specific characters. And some of these guys, they're like huge. And to suddenly balance themselves out and what they can do in the artistry of makeup to look like these characters is incredible. They have this one competition every season that I really look forward to. I know it's the fan favorite. It's called the Snatch Game. It's a take on the match game. I think it was in the 60s and the 70s where they're basically going to impersonate a celebrity of their choice and they'll be asked questions. And it's an opportunity for them to really 
improv and show their skills, their comedic skills, as well as their drag skills, because they've transformed themselves, not just into women, and in some cases, other men, but also into that persona. So they have to really be quick on their feet. They have to be witty. They have to be sharp. They have to know how to sew. It's like a project runway as well. Don't forget. And they have to be hilarious. It's the best show ever. They just came out with Canada's version. This was this past year. And they were a delight. They finally had someone in all the years of Drag Race. No one's ever done this. I don't know why. Someone did a Joan Rivers, Jimbo the Clown. He was exceptional. It was amazing. Joan would have been proud. May she rest in peace, but she would have loved seeing this. I don't want to give anything else away because these guys are phenomenal. The bar keeps getting raised. And I'm excited to see what Holland's going to do. If you're looking for something fun, creative, then you have plenty of drag race to look forward to. There's the all-stars, there's the untucked, the backstage that follows along with it. Not every season has that. And now we're getting all these different flavors. I think the reason that it keeps growing and keeps getting better and better, there's no limit. Like they can keep doing all these different characters. You're seeing so much charisma. And actually that's the whole point of the show. The winner is supposed to demonstrate charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. That's what Ruth says every time. But what's also really great about this show is you get a lot of these great expressions coming out of Rue that have really just entered into the mainstream. Most of what's on the show is coming from that community. Anyway, from ballroom and a lot of the terms that we use every day do come from these shows. Like we don't realize it. Yes, girl, queen, shade, lots of these things. But you can explore that on these other wonderful shows that I think Drag Race has helped because being an LGBTQIA show, I think it brings these other shows into the mainstream. Right now, there's a show on HBO Max called Legendary, which was such a delight. I mean, I thought I knew what voguing was before this, but oh my God, can these guys do it? I mean, check it out. You're going to love it. I'll talk about it at another time. But I think that's why we love Drag Race. And it just keeps getting better and better. The bar keeps getting raised every time. If you look at it from season one, where they make jokes about it on the show. I mean, it's hilarious. It was a, a lower budget production, I would say. But the personalities were there. And what I really liked about it is as the show got super famous, it's now in the mainstream. It's on Netflix. You can't miss it. What you got was she brought back the old winners from season one because I think the prize at the time was only like $10,000. And it didn't have such an impact like it has today. Now they become like genuine stars. You see them on Instagram, on red carpets. They have paid performances around the world. They're doing projects for TV, for film. They're everywhere. I could name a bunch off the top of my head that you probably know in our household names, like Bob the Drag Queen or Court in the Act or the Britney impersonator from Vegas who's on the show, Derek Barry. He's been on a couple times. And right now I think he's doing VH1 behind the scenes where they're putting on Drag Race live. So the show is just a juggernaut that keeps on giving and good for Rue. I mean, she was already a household name, you know, with the, everybody remembers those Mac commercials back in the day. And everybody knows who RuPaul Charles is. So I think it's really cool that she's built this whole empire. <laughs> she's like the Oprah of drag. It's incredible. Next, I want to talk about this whole backlash that's going on about cuties. It's a movie that came over from France. I believe it won the Sundance Film Festival. It was called Le Mignon. And it's about these preteen girls. One is from Senegal. She has a Muslim family. And they get into this, I guess, like roller skating type act where they're twerking. And the whole controversy was Netflix released this poster and it looked like sexualized of these girls. And these girls are prepubescent. And there was such an outrage about it. And everyone says they're exploiting these young girls. And it has very 
pedophilic overtures and everyone really is upset about this. But on the other hand, you have people who really do defend the movie and say it's a beautiful movie. It explores something that's very real. And it's about how kids growing up today and what those pressures are like. And in terms of sexualizing, this is nothing new. We've all grown up seeing the John Benet Ramsey and all those pageants, starting with very young ages. I mean, you see these little girls in these pageants, full makeup, doing sexy poses, and it continues. And they used to have these expressions, old enough to bleed, old enough to breed. You'd hear that kind of crap from people like The Man Show. I don't know if they ever said that statement, but it was understood. You're of age. And you know this from just Roman Polanski, Woody Allen being revered. No one had a problem with them and these young girls. I mean, in Woody Allen's case, I think she was 19 when they came out. But who knows how long it's been going on, right? So Hollywood has been doing this for a very long time. And it's in our culture for a very long time. Every time I would look in magazines growing up, we all knew these models were like 15, 16. And then when I got into the workforce, it really bothered me because I'd be looking through a magazine and I'd see a suit and I'd be like, well, that's not what the women look like. Why am I seeing what a teenager in a suit wears? I mean, I would see these fabulous women in their 30s, 40s, 50s in these suits in real life looking amazing. And then you open like a Vogue and it's like some really skinny, tall kid. You know, they're like 16. That's a known fact. It made no sense. We've been sexualizing young women forever. I know Netflix is taking the heat because these are young girls trying to twerk and get attention, but that's what young girls think is what gives them power, even today. And you can't get mad at Netflix necessarily. I mean, you can, but at the same time, this is the reality that's still going on in our society. We're getting better, but we still have a lot of work to do. I think the good news is that you're hearing a backlash about this, but that's how anyone who knows kids this age or who has kids these age or is paying attention would see. You all know that kids want to be older as soon as they can. They want to grow up fast. And then they think they're little women. And they they are mimicking what they're seeing on the Instagram, on Twitter, or wherever. And they're looking up to their idols. And they see, you know, Hannah Montana, she now twerks, you know. They want to be like that. So it's been going on for much longer than Netflix or this movie. I haven't seen the movie yet. But I don't think anyone's canceling Netflix. I got to be honest. I mean, they just keep delivering. There's something for everyone on that streaming service. You you can't deny it. But kudos to you if you're going to cancel it for this, because then you're going to have a lot of canceling to do. I agree. We over-sexualize these young people, and it's not cool, and it needs to stop. But this movie sort of explores that and explores what it's like someone coming from a different culture, getting into our culture. I think that's the biggest thing people are missing, too. When you come in from somewhere else and you see what's going on, how do you expect this kid to act? They want to be accepted. Every movie, music video up until really recently has featured, you know, half naked women. It's always been about exploiting their bodies. Most part I'm talking about. Of course, there's been lovely, beautiful videos not doing that. But generally speaking, it's not hard to find out where these kids are getting these ideas and showing like, okay, if I want to make it, that's what I should look like, you know. I just got to, you know, slap on a ton of makeup, twerk, twerk my ass off, get a bunch of surgery, and I'm going to be famous. My life will be made. I mean, that's the dream for so many people, and it's a little ridiculous. So we got to do a better job of showing the other path to success and being more real. I know everyone thinks they're so real today, but we're still not there, obviously. Netflix has apologized for the marketing materials, and they've, like, re-released it, I think, with the original poster of just their faces. But it's still the movie. I mean, obviously, you're not going to be comfortable, especially if you have kids and nobody likes to see kids in a sexual position. But this is not new. 
And this is exploring from their perspective. We don't see a lot of that. And I think that's what is probably why critics like the movie. You're usually just seeing someone exploited and it's taken for granted. It's not even part of the storyline. But here, this is the storyline. So I think that's why it's causing so much of a ruckus. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed spending some time with me. If you like what you hear, don't forget to check us out weekly on iTunes or on your preferred platform. Please give us a rating and subscribe to the show. Give us the stars you think we deserve. You can also check out our website at allkindspodcast.com. You can also hit us up on Twitter at All Kinds Weekly or on Instagram at All Kinds Podcast. I look forward to hearing from you, and maybe I can discuss it on our next show. Thanks for listening.